Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your name that is to be high and lifted up. And Lord, I thank you for the singing that we've had to this point. And I pray, Father, that as we have sung unto you, that it would be pleasing unto your ears. And Lord, I ask that all that we say and do would bring honor and glory to you. For your name is worthy to be praised. We love you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Take your Bibles, if you would, and open up to the book of Matthew, chapter 6. Matthew, chapter 6. I'm going to preach to you this morning on stewardship is priorities. Stewardship is priorities. I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of God's Word. We'll read verses 19 through 34. Matthew chapter 6, the Bible says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? No man can serve two masters, for either, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto a stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore? If God so clothed the grass of the field, which is today, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would take the moments that we have around your word and that you would use them. I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit work in and through me. Help my mind and my heart to be pure and clean before you. And Lord, I pray that you would put all the distractions away. I pray that I would be physically able to do what you've called me to do, spiritually, mentally, and emotionally. And Lord, I ask that if there is one here this morning that does not know you, that they would come to know you. We ask you for this. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. 
Stewardship is priorities. There are three aspects of a person's life that will determine one's personal success. For every single person, it's the same. The reason that some people are successful and others are not are because of these three aspects. See, success is more than money. And if we look at these three aspects here, we'll be able to say, that's true. First, the first thing that will determine someone's success is their attitude. One's attitude determines one's personal success in life. If you always look at life as getting you down and everything is always negative, you're not going to advance very far in life. Secondly, I, I believe that the second thing that determines one's personal success is their relationships. You know, it's often been said, it's not what you know, but it's who you know. It's those personal relationships that you have with people that, that can open up doors in life, that can help you, that can encourage you. If you have the right type of relationships in the, in the Christian community, they can be a vast help to you in your personal spiritual success. So it's attitudes, it's, it's uh, relationships. But thirdly, and this is what I want us to look at today, this aspect of life Priorities. Priorities will determine one's personal success in life. You might say, well, what are priorities? According to the blissfulmind.com, this, this individual says, our priorities are the areas of our lives that are meaningful and important to us. They are meaningful and important to us. They are usually activities, practices, or relationships that we want to put genuine effort and time into. So we would say it this way, that priorities show us. Our priorities show us what are meaningful and important to us. The, our priorities are the things that we hold most valuable in our lives. This is what does bring us many times when we, when we follow our priorities, it brings us a temporary sense of fulfillment. When you and I, when we... When we do our to-do list, and we, oh, we, we, we got that done. We got that one thing that we were meaning to do. You know, the real important but not urgent stuff? You know, usually what we do are, are the urgent things in life. We usually don't get around to the important things. But when we do hit a priority in our life, it gives us a temporary sense of fulfillment. But the problem is, it's only temporary. You say, well, how can I have permanent fulfillment in my life? See, only going after that which is truly important will bring lasting fulfillment. See, you've got to go after the truly important. There are certain things that all of us, if I could sit everybody down here, there would probably be certain things that we would all agree on that are important in life. For example, one of the things that we would agree on is family is important. If you have family or if you don't have family, both of you realize that family is important, right? 
And we could go through and we could probably find maybe two or three things that we would all agree on that are important. But most of us would have many different things that are important. Like for me, technology is important to me. I love technology. I was debating whether to get an Apple Watch. For four years, I've been looking at Apple Watches. And then my daughter's friend, who just happens to be a guy, and he's a boy, so I guess he's a boyfriend. I think, I think his name is like Steve or something, or Joe, or I, I, I don't know. Uh, let's see, yeah. He showed me, he showed me what this thing could do. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. So I had some Christmas money and I went out and I got an Apple Watch. I love technology. To some of you, like the preacher, he loves technology. (laughs) If any of you who are new here don't know my father, he hates technology. I don't text on a phone. A phone wasn't meant to text on. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, okay. But we all have different things that are important to us, right? But none of those things are the most important. None of them will bring lasting fulfillment. Even your family can't bring you lasting fulfillment because they're going to eventually let you down. See, there's a process. You say, well, then what, how can I determine in my own life what are those priorities that will bring lasting fulfillment? What are the priorities that I should have as a believer? And these are things that we all should agree on. I want you to take a look here, if you will. Number one, you must recognize your current priorities in life. You must recognize your current priorities in life. When a company or a family or an individual forget what their priorities uh, are, it causes them to lose focus. It causes them to lose purpose. And then they cease to exist. See, when you forget what your priorities are truly supposed to be, it causes you to lose purpose. That's why so many Christians are frustrated in their Christian life because they've adopted the world's priorities instead of God's priorities. The Chicago Daily News was a newspaper that was in circulation for 102 years, but in 1978 they went out of business. One of the higher-ups was... Um, interviewed and they said what happened this 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 place was around for 102 years and now it is completely gone it says we forgot our purpose listen open Bible listen if we forget our purpose we will cease to exist we are here for two reasons one to glorify God the first and foremost is to glorify God and then two is to win the lost and disciple them that is our purpose and so anything that is not contrary to the Word of God I'm willing to do I'm willing to try I'm willing to reach the lost in that way why because that's our purpose but if we lose focus if we're if we're just going to be keepers of the aquarium if we're just going to be people we want to make everybody in here comfortable we don't want to ruffle any feathers if we just do that we're going to become keepers of the aquarium we've lost our purpose and then eventually listen we will cease to exist just like the Chicago Daily News and many people what I see today many Christians today they boarded a train going somewhere but they're not sure where somewhere is 
See, when Jesus called his disciples in this portion of Scripture, this was their first staff meeting. And one of the issues that he addressed was the area of priorities. Take a look at Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. He gathers his staff together, if you will. He said, guys, it's time for our first staff meeting. Let's talk. And he says in verse 33, he says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Listen, this is the ultimate priority of every believer. Verse 33 ought to be the ultimate priority of every believer. I am seeking the things of God and His righteousness. See, my friend, if you don't know where you're going, you will never know if you've come to your destination. And many Christians have got on a train, boarded, they boarded a train going somewhere, but they have no idea where somewhere is. They're just floating through their Christian life, hoping, hoping that they're going to end up in a good place once retirement comes. And by the way, there is no word retirement in the Word of God. We are to continue on for Him. Amen. See, when Jesus addressed His disciples here in this portion of Scripture, he's, he's giving some topics to help them and to help us determine what real priorities ought to be in our life. So here you go. The first question that you've got to ask yourself, there's some questions to determine what your current priorities are, are. Here you go. Number one, what are you giving for? What are you giving for? Verses 19 through 21, the Bible says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is... For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. This is an attitude question. What are you giving for? It helps us determine our attitude towards money. See, we're all seeking security. We all want security. We want it in something or someone. One of the things in bringing uh, Richard and Elena here and Miles to um, Open Bible, uh, Elena grew up in that church. She was born and raised in the church that she came from. So she knows nothing. I mean, her family was there. She grew up in that church. She knew the pastor all of her life, um, knew those people there. They knew her. She felt very comfortable there. And one of the things I kept asking Richard all the time, how's your wife doing? How, how's she doing? She said, well, pastor, we're, we're working through this and we're doing this and we're doing that. Good. Okay. What was I doing? I, I, I wanted to make sure that when, when she got it, she could start to feel secure. I asked him, I think it was the other day, I said, well, I think it was yesterday or maybe Friday. I said, well, how's your wife doing? It's been awfully cold. <laughs> you know, she didn't grow up like this. I mean, she grew up in Las Vegas where it's warm all the time and sunny. It's not so bad when it's sunny and cold out, but it's bad when it's sunny and gray. That's just depressing. And when you come from Las Vegas where it could be sunny and somewhat crisp, you know, I was out there uh, last year or something like that. That's where I actually met Richard out there. And uh, he was working in the church there. And, and, um, but I got to meet him just really in passing. And I told Blake, I said, man, I like that guy. He's, he's a nice guy. I like him. I said, 
if he's ever looking for something, give me a call. I just like this person out. I didn't know what he could do. I didn't know if he could do anything, you know. And then the Lord led one thing to another. And anyway, but I remember being in Las Vegas, and it, it was maybe 50 degrees out, and it was dead of winter here. I walked outside in a short sleeve shirt. Man, man, this is great. Blake and Lisa, and they're, looking, they're just freezing to death. I'm like, what do you mean? It's not cold, you know. So that she wasn't used to that. We all want security in our lives, don't we? And by the way, we ought to do everything that we can as a church to make sure that, that uh, the Moseses, they do feel welcome here. They do feel secure here. They do feel like they're wanted here. We need to do that. But we all want to feel secure in life. But the question is, where are you getting your security from? See, you can seek your security in money, or you can seek your security in God. The Bible says here, seek ye first the kingdom of God. See, you got to know what's important. One person has said it this way, we can have anything we want in life, even though we may not be able to have everything we want in life. We can have anything we want in life, even though we might not have everything we want in life. And what he's saying is you've got to determine what's important in your life. The Bible says for every believer to what? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Isn't it amazing that God usually gets all of our leftovers, doesn't he? He gets our leftover time. He gets our leftover money. He gets our leftover effort. He gets leftovers. See, the point is, is what you're going after, what you're going after, is it important? So you need to ask yourself, what's important to you? What is important to you? I would say that you must know what's important, then if, if I'm asking this question, what are you giving for? You must know what's important. You must seek what's important. The Bible says here what? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. After you determine what's important, you've got to seek what's important. The Greek word for that word seek has to do with coveting earnestly, striving after something. You know what it's like when you desire X, Y, and Z item, and what do you do? You stock your pennies away. Man, I'm going to save for this. I, I want this. I can't wait for this. I've got to have this, or I want to go on this trip, or I want this vehicle, whatever the case may be, and I'm going to do everything I can. I am seeking earnestly after that. I'm going to cut out going out to lunch all the time. I'm going to uh, maybe uh, stop doing this or stop doing that so I can go after this item or place or whatever. And the Bible says here, that's the way we're supposed to be concerning his kingdom. We are to earnestly contend for the, the, the faith and for the kingdom. We are to strive after something. See, that's the attitude. Remember, we're at this question, what, what are you giving for? This is the attitude that we're supposed to have when it comes to the things of God. Sadly, we have this attitude when it comes to the things of the world. The word says here, but seek ye. You don't have to have this attitude towards the things of the world. You know, it's a choice that all of us make, don't we? We make that choice if we're going to go after that thing. 
We make that choice if we're going to put that thing first. See, it lets us know there's a better way to live. Jesus is giving us a better way to live, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. He's giving us a higher way to live. But take a look at verse 21 because you must know your money reveals your heart. Take a look at verse 21 here. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Show me where your treasure is and I will show you where your heart is. That's exactly what he's saying there. You've got two options here this morning. Here you go. Of where to put your treasures. Option number one is the earth. Treasures on earth. So your first option, you can go after the things of the world. You can go after the treasures on earth. Which are, here, let me list the, let me list the um, attributes of treasures on earth. Okay? If you go after treasures on earth, this is the attributes. They are subject to ruin. That's the first option, right? So the first attribute is they're subject to ruin. Number two, they are subject to rust. And then the third aspect of option number one is they are subject to robbers. Somebody can take it from you. You ever, anybody ever have something stolen from you? Raise your hand. You ever have something stolen? So did I. I had a Bible, a beautiful taupe, like a light tan Bible, thin line, stolen from me at a Bible college during a revival service. <laughs> what? I figured they must have needed it more than I did. <laughs> so option number one, treasure on earth. It's subject to ruin, it's subject to rust, and it's subject to robbery. Option number two now. Option number two, here you go. Treasures in heaven. Let me give you the aspects or the attributes of those treasures that you invest in heaven, that you invest in the kingdom, that you seek after the righteousness of God. The first attribute, it's exempt from ruin. It's exempt from ruin. Attribute number two, it's exempt from rust. Every time I think of Rust, I'm sorry, Mr. Costin, but I remember your old Datsun truck that you, that vehicle used to drive around. I think he had that from like 1900, but man, he kept beating that thing into the ground. I was sorry to see it go. It was like part of, it was part of Open Bible, you know. <laughs> but it's exempt from rust. And also, it's exempt from robbery. Nobody can take it from you. Once you've invested it in the, the heavenly account, it will never be taken from you. I'll say it again. I said it last week. When you invest in the things of heaven, you always, always, always will get a return. Amen. You know what is interesting? We, uh, we gauge our spirituality by, by prayer. We gauge our spirituality by Oh, yeah, well, praise Jesus. By our Bible, read. how many chapters you read? I read 62,000 chapters today in the Word of God. You know, we, we gauge our spirituality on that. But you know the best place to look for a more accurate barometer of your spirituality is your checkbook. I, I only got one amen out of that. Let's... A more, accurate, a more accurate barometer of your spirituality is your checkbook. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. 
So a more accurate barometer, please don't tell us how. I spent eight hours in prayer today. I've read the whole Pentateuch this morning. I've memorized. And they're all good things. I would encourage you to do that. But a more accurate barometer, because we all can go through the motions, can't we? Oh, my. Well, somebody please help me out. Uh, just amen me. Anybody with me this morning? <laughs> it's rough plowing this morning. Stewardship is priorities. <laughs> Question number two. What are you looking for? What are you looking for? Not only what are you giving for, but what are you looking for? You must recognize your current priorities in life. Take a look in verses 22 and 23. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single... Thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? See, this question, the first question answers our attitude, talks about our attitude. This question tells us what we will eventually find. You ever notice a thief never finds a policeman? <laughs> hey, I was looking for you. No. A student that cuts school never finds a teacher, you know. And those who do not submit to the lordship of Christ in every area of your life, including stewardship, never find his blessings. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 22. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. Our priorities are realized by what we focus on, what we are looking for. If you have the correct view and I have the correct view of what's really important in this life, everything else falls into place, doesn't it? Third question, what are you living for? You must recognize your current priorities in life. What are you giving for? What are you looking for? What are you living for? Verse 24, no man can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. It's impossible to serve two masters. The Christian life has never been to, uh, to, to be able to be lived on a seesaw. It's not the way it is. You can't divide yourself. You cannot serve the kingdom of God and serve money or serve the world at the, serve the same time. See, when you try and do that, you do become divided. What does James tell us uh, about being divided? It says that a double-minded man or a divided man is unstable in all, all, all of his ways. Not just some of his ways, not just part of his ways, not just a few of his ways, but all of his ways. So if you're trying to live the Christian life like this, I'm going to serve God and I'm going to serve money. Man, I love God. I, I, I'm showing up. Pastor, why are you getting on me? I mean, I'm here Sunday morning. I, I know some of the people, they don't even show up on Sunday. No, 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 no. You're, see, what I'm trying to teach you is you live in a divided life. You go back and forth. You're like a weeble wobble. You know, remember them? You got to go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. You're trying to serve two masters, and what happens is that not only affects, listen, that not only affects you in the areas of stewardship, it affects every area of your life. Because listen, if we are not willing to give Christ the lordship over the area of our stewardship, then we are not willing to give Christ the lordship in any other area of our life. We might try and convince ourselves of that, but it's not true. 
See, the follower of Christ is called to serve God in this passage. He's not saying, when he says serve, it's not work for hire. That's not that word. That Greek word, doulos, no man can serve two masters. It's not actually doulos. It's a different form of that word, doulos. But that word, doulos, that Greek word in doulos, even if you go into um, classic Greek, you will never find that it's translated serve or servant. Never. Never. It is always translated. You say, well, then what does it mean? In, in our context, we would look at it and say serve, but it means slave. And God is saying that you are my bond slave. I have ownership of your life. It means to serve as a slave or as one who is in bondage to another. Is that not what? Turn over to 1 Corinthians, if you would, please. 1 Corinthians. Let's look there real quick. Richard, we got to get a clock back there, up there, because I don't have one up here. I'm not using my uh, iPad. And I don't know what time it is when... And I got to keep looking. So, well, I'll, I'll preach as long as you at least give me an amen every once in a while. <laughs> I mean, when I'm preaching on sin, you folks really amen me. But when I'm preaching on stewardship, you know, if it's the one S, sin, that's okay. But when it's the other S, stewardship, <laughs> you know, getting a little touchy here, Pastor. First Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. See, the kind of service that we're to render to God is one that acknowledges his ownership of my life. Listen, you and I, and we've all done it. We've all done it. I'm not pointing the finger at you. We have all done this. We can try to live a little while for both God and money, but there will come a time in your life and in my life when you and I, we've got to decide what, what we want to be in bondage to. <laughs> Did you hear that? You're either going to be in bondage to money or you're going to be in bondage to God. And let me tell you something. Money is a hard taskmaster. Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If I've got to pick a master to be in bondage to, I'm going to pick Jesus every time. So not only what are you giving for, recognize your current priorities. What are you giving for? What are you looking for? That American dream, Pastor. American dream. Can't wait to hit 65 and retire. Move to Florida. Like some ungodly people we know that may be in our presence this morning. Mrs. Jones, I don't know. <laughs> Did I say that out loud? I thought I was just thinking that. <laughs> what are you living for? And now, what are you dying for? Verses 25 through 32. I won't read that for lack of time, but verses 25 through 32 he says, take no thought for your life. So what are you dying for? D.L. Moody once said it this way, the great preacher of the past. He said, a man has not found something worth living for until he has found something worth dying for. When Jesus was speaking in this narrative, he was stressing the lifestyles of those with wrong priorities. Jesus identifies the things that we stress over in life. The food, the drink, the 
clothing, our physical features, this type of outlook. Listen, folks, this what Jesus put in there, this is a non-Christian outlook. That's what he's saying. You're stressing over stuff that non-Christian. That's why he says the Gentiles. He's talking about the non-Christians. He's talking about the heathen world. These are the things that the non-Christians stress over. It's really a non-Christian way to approach life, isn't it? I don't want you to think that Jesus is against planning, for he's not. He's not against planning, and I'm not going to get into that. But what, what he is trying to stress to us is that we should not be anxious for the things of the world. Listen, if you and I just keep the kingdom of God, for, if we seek after the kingdom of God and his righteousness, guess what? Everything else will be taken care of. It will be. That's what Jesus says. Either Jesus is true or he's a liar, and I believe that he's true. Then the next question you've got to ask yourself and recognize your current priorities is what are you longing for? Verses 32 and 33, take a look. For all these things do the Gentiles seek for your heavenly Father, for your heavenly Father knoweth. He knows what you need better than you know what you need. Your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So what are you longing for? The priorities of life are evident by the secret longings of the heart. The deep-seated desire. What, we, we would say it this way. What's your greatest desire? For some, it may be a particular automobile. For others, it could be a second home on the beach or in the mountains. And, neither, and none of those things are wrong. I'm not saying that. We're talking about priorities, though. But what is it that you're really longing for? That's the real priority of your life. See, for the Christian, our longing should be for the advancement of the kingdom of God. I want you to listen to this as I close. Listen to this. When Jesus says, listen, when Jesus says for us to seek the kingdom of God, he's not asking for a weekend. When Jesus says you need to seek the kingdom of God, he's not asking for a weekend. He's not asking for a tithing challenge, a 90-day tithing challenge. So he's not asking for a month or for a year. He is asking each and every one of us to have a continual seeking of his kingdom in our lives and in every area of our life. Okay, what does that look like? Continually, earnestly, contending, going after, making it my priority, number one, the work of God. In order to have lasting fulfillment, you've got to determine your current priorities. Now, do your current priorities line up with that? Do my current priorities line up with that? Is my first thought, how is this going to impact the kingdom of God?
Is my first thought, am I seeking after his righteousness in this decision? See, we can talk much about how much we love God. We can talk about much about how wonderful our God is. But our heart is revealed when it's demonstrated. That's when our hearts reveal. Stewardship is priorities. So what are your current priorities in life? Ask yourself those questions. You'll find out exactly what they are. Oh, a matter of fact, a better way to do it is ask your mate those questions and say, what do you think I'm longing for? What do you think I'm living for? What do you think I'm giving for? Many times we like to convince ourselves that we're one thing when in reality we're really something else. Sometimes the best evaluators of us are not ourselves, but it's those who are closest to us because they read us a whole lot better than we do. We usually read with, when it comes to us at least, you know me, I read my life story with rose-colored glasses because I'm a pretty good person. I would think you read your story the same way. But what are your current priorities in life? You know, this is wonderful for the Christian. But if you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, I'm going to tell you what your number one priority ought to be. Figuring out where you're going to spend eternity. Because none of this matters for any of us if we don't know where we're going to spend eternity. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, let me tell you what the Bible says. Not what a Baptist preacher, but what the Bible says about where you're going to spend eternity. It's not purgatory. There is no purgatory. The Bible speaks of two places. A place called heaven if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And by the way, heaven's just the benefit of knowing Jesus Christ as a personal Savior. But the second place is a place called hell. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and you were to die right now, according to the Bible, the Bible says that you would die and go to hell. You say, I can't believe a loving God would send me to hell. He's not. You've just chosen to make your priorities to live for this life instead of the next. Just like the Christians here, they can invest in the things of the earth and live for this life and miss out on blessings here and eternally because they made that choice. They're not going to lose their salvation. The Christians that are here are not going to lose their salvation. They're going to just lose some blessings, some rewards. But for you, your priority is all wrong because you decided to live for this world.
instead of the next. Could I challenge you, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, your personal Savior this morning, I'm going to give an invitation here. I'm going to ask Carrie to go to the piano, if you would, please. And in just a moment, we're going to have everybody stand. And in our church, what we do is we have everybody stand. And if uh, you'd like to come forward, we allow people to come forward. Some come forward to be able to spend some time in prayer. Others come forward to be able to accept Christ as their personal Savior. And so if you notice a little bit of rustling and you hear some people moving out, that's the perfect time for you to move out. That way, you know, sometimes you, oh, I might be embarrassed or whatever. No, there's been hundreds, literally thousands of people to walk these aisles. We would never embarrass you on purpose. We would just like to be able to share with you the number one priority that ought to be in your life. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Could I have everybody bow their heads this morning and close their eyes?